on a scale to one to ten, how gay am I? <laughs> they say the girls have more fun, but they never met the boys. This is boy talk. Boy talk. This is boy talk. Welcome back, bitches. I hope you've been having a fantastic week. I am so excited to be back at it again with a new episode. I promise you all I wouldn't go missing again. And here I am being accountable, not going and missing again because I ghosted you last week. I'm not going to do it again. I promise. So thank you all so much for coming back for another wonderful episode. With that being said, y'all, I am just so excited to jump right on into some things with you all, get some updates going on, all that good stuff. But I just want to take a second to appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for coming back and embracing the podcast once again. Six weeks off is a long time, and I am so sorry I did that to you all. Literally, you all have shown your support. The podcast numbers are fantastic. Y'all are still showing up. You're still downloading. You're still streaming. It's amazing. I just... I love that you guys love what I'm creating. I just makes me feel so good as the creator of this podcast. And I love you all so much. And thank you for your endless support. We've actually already done better on the last episode than some of the others that we've had. So I just can't be more grateful. I love you all so much. Thank you for listening every week. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for catching up. Thank you for replaying. Thank you for the downloads. It's seriously, I couldn't do without you. So thank you. So let's get into the updates, like I said. (laughs) So the podcast, I have a proposition for you all, but I want to get some feedback. So please, 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 if you can DM me about this. But the editor and I of the podcast, Macy, who's been on the podcast before, her and I got to finally meet up again for the first time since the pandemic because I'm in Ohio currently. And she and I had not been seeing each other, obviously, when the pandemic hit, when I was living here full time. And so we got together and we were talking and we decided that it would be really cool to do maybe some recordings of the podcast. So I might like start setting up a camera and record myself in front of it and then putting it on YouTube. If that's something that you guys would love to see, if that's something that sounds really interesting, please let me know. I don't want to waste her time or my time on creating that. If you all don't want to watch me live speaking, if you're just here for the audio and you think that works best for you, just let me know. You know how to find me. My Instagram is O-H-H-K-O-D-Y. You can also find me on any other social media platform with that, as well as the podcast has its own Instagram at at boytalk underscore podcast. So just let me know. I'm just trying to get like a rough estimate. If I can get like maybe a hundred people to respond, give me like a little like, yeah, this makes sense. Or as many of you who want to actually, you know, participate in this little survey that we're doing, it would really help me figure out if that's something we should do or not. Um, That's really what it comes down to is if you all want it, I will do it. That's what my job is here. I will give you all anything you want. You want my life it's yours take it i don't care if you need it just give me a quick dm you can have it so next update for you all is some social media things last episode i dropped that i'm considering making an only fans i know scandalous like I said, though, it's not going to be what you think it is you know not everyone on only fans is over there posting whole pics I'm not saying that's not something I would explore one day in my future endeavors with content, but as of right now, that's not where I see myself going as a creator, but there's still some really great things I could do on that platform as far as educational purposes that follows like this podcast when it comes to like talking about foreplay or toys and all those little things. So I'm really highly considering it, but here's my question as well for you all. I don't know how much money you would be willing to pay. 
So <laughs> that's a real question I got to figure out. Like, I need to know what you all would actually pay to subscribe to an OnlyFans if I make one, right? So the lowest you can do on the site is $4.99. That's kind of what I figured I would just start at because, like, I'm trying to use it to, you know, connect with you all and provide educational information around these things. Like, I wouldn't be really giving that much stuff that I feel... <sighs> Like, I deserve, you know, $10, but even at that, I know some people might even just come for $10 um, to support me because I'm a broke college student who is trying his best, <laughs> and it's a disaster being this poor and trying to live your life, you know what I mean? But yeah, so it's it's coming, and I'm trying to, you know, strategize the content and how much I'm going to ask y'all to pay to be part of it, etc., but Stay tuned, more information to come about that and when it drops, so get excited. And then finally, some Ohio updates. So if y'all don't know this, I am currently in Ohio right now. I did not move out of New York City. I got a lot of really concerned DMs, so I just want to clear that air again. I just want to put it out there. I didn't move back to Ohio. I live in New York City still. My apartment is just as you've seen it in my TikToks and on Instagram. Like, nothing changed. I just came home for a month, and I... Just wanted to make sure we have that all clear. Like, I'm not moving home to Ohio. I'm just visiting, and I am out of here. This is just a little little visit, you know? We're just visiting. But, yeah. So, the pros of coming home, like, because, you know, coming home has been actually really great, you know? I've got to see my family and friends. I've missed them. I haven't been home since the pandemic when I moved. And when I did move, I had not been seeing most of these people because of said pandemic. Um, So, it's, like, almost a year and a half of not seeing some of these people, and it's just been really great to be able to reconnect with everyone and be home and see each other and those first hugs and all that, you know, good sappy stuff. Also, I didn't know how much I was going to miss driving a car. So that's been really great. I was just like vroom vroom for a little bit, you know, and I was like, wow, like I picked this up so easily. It's amazing. And then, of course, like the familiarity of Ohio and the memories, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just I feel like I'm just living this like nostalgic coming home moment in this movie that I live in, you know, like this world I've created for myself. I'm just like, oh, I'm the main character and I'm walking around this little small town and, you know, I'm this... I just walk around my small town in Ohio and remember that this was my humble beginnings. <laughs> I literally hate myself so much for that. But yeah, no, it's been fun to be home and all that good stuff. But the cons are almost the same list, you know? Family and friends. I'm so busy running around like a crazy person that I don't have time for the things I love to do, like posting on social media and reading books and, you know, even going to the gym has been a hassle. I've had to, like, go at, like, 11 o'clock at night. If you follow me on Instagram, you see the snaps. It's, like, 1.30 in the morning and I'm at the gym. Um, also, driving a car. <laughs> I was never great at that. So, you know, it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle out here. I In my old car before I sold it, I used to hit curbs constantly. So, you know, I'm out here trying my best. And then finally, uh, the familiarity and memories. Yeah, they're pretty terrible as well. <laughs> there's some memories here that I wish I didn't have to remember. And there's some things that are just a little too familiar, like the same gross men sliding into my DMs trying to hook up with me. And I'm like, I wasn't interested in 2014. I wasn't interested in 2018. And I'm not interested in 2021. I am so sorry, sir. But yeah, being home has been a journey to say the least. So with that being said, being home has really made me start to think more about myself and my journey and like about my coming out and self-discovery and all of that fun stuff because it all happened here in this small town in Ohio. So 
I think that one thing I really want to talk about this week is spectrum theory. It's one of the theories that has helped me identify with myself. It's something that I still use when I discuss with friends and family and others. And I think that it's one of the things that helps me still construct my identity because I'm only 20 here. I'm still learning along the way. You know what I mean? And I go back time and time again to spectrum theory. So I figured let's get into it. All right, it's that time of the episode. I have to do my little shameless plug. I know, I know, a shameless plug. I hate it. You can skip past it, but please, 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 if you haven't yet, like this episode, download it. Please subscribe or follow whatever platform you're using and how you do that, do it. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating review. Please write a review. I know that those things seem like they're not that important, but in the podcasting world, that means everything. We are in the top 1.5% because of y'all downloading, because of y'all writing reviews, and because of y'all liking it. So please, please, please continue to follow, continue to share, continue to download. Share it with your friends and tag me on social media. Last week, I had a couple people do it and I shared their stuff out. I will gladly shout you out if you shout out the podcast. If you let me know you're a listener, I'll even follow back. So go ahead and share it on your social media, y'all. I love you all. Thank you for the support. I wouldn't be doing without you. I still don't make money on the podcast, just in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> but yeah, we'll figure it out together. So how gay am I, right? I told you a little bit about spectrum theory, so let's get into that first because we got to have that ground base so we can have this discussion, right? So spectrum theory is an overview. It's professionally known in like the psychological world as the Kinsey model. It was developed by Dr. Alfred Kinsley, Waldrill, Promroyal, and Clyde Martin in 1948. If you can't tell, I'm reading from a script and I probably messed all their names up, but for ethical reasons, I'm citing my source. They created this. I am not this smart. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm hot, and that's hard enough. I did get a 4-0, but it doesn't mean that I can come up with theories like this. So totally not me. Totally them. I totally had to do my own research. I'm linking um, in the bio about this podcast episode more information from the actual Kinsley Institute. So not me. Totally just reutilizing their wonderful theory to have this great conversation with you all. So in 1948, it was created by them, and... They still use it to this day. It's still regarded as one of the best theories. I know when I was at Kent State University, our LGBTQ center used it a lot. We talked about it in a lot of programming. I was an RA, so I lived in the dorms and like we have to do programs. I had programs around this theory. It's just a really awesome way to help people understand. And what it does is this. It takes sexuality and it puts it onto a spectrum. So we use a number scale to rate where you fall in the spectrum and it's really helpful when you're trying to figure out why do i feel the way i feel or how do i identify the way i do so let's look at what the scale is so how they had it set up is this it ranges from zero to six and includes the value x zero is exclusively heterosexual meaning that they are totally only into the opposite sex there is no interest desire lust want for someone of the same sex so exclusively heterosexual, right? That means you only are with the opposite sex. The six is exclusively homosexual, meaning that you are exclusively and only into the same sex. Pretty simple, right? So it's like zero is you are straight as can be, and six is you are as gay as can be, and there is no in-between, right? Just kidding. There is an in-between, which is what's so beautiful about the scale. 
And I think that's what helps clear up this discussion around like sexuality. And on top of there being this whole range of numbers in between zero and six, so obviously there's one, two, three, four, and five, there's also the value of X, which is included to help people who identify as asexual or not having any sexual attraction, which is what I think is so amazing about the scale. They not only accounted for heterosexual, homosexual, and any and all in between that would fit into these different identities, but they also included a value X, meaning this person is saying, I'm not sexually attracted to anyone. So we didn't leave anyone out in this sense of like sexuality and all this good stuff. And so let's use the scale a little more personal. I'll tell you my own personal story with the scale where I fall. And then I'm going to give you guys some great examples of where other people might fall in this scale, correct? The scale for me, right? <laughs> I'm a gay male, but I wouldn't identify as a six. And I'll tell you why I wouldn't identify as a six, right? I... I see myself probably more in the five area because it's not anywhere near the middle because the middle of the scale is what? Three and four. Like that is like, if you're bisexual, you're like a 3.5, meaning that you are a hundred percent, you know, into both and you'll do either side. And that's great. Like a 3.5 is someone who is truly 50, 50 bisexual and all that good stuff. For me, I think I'm more of a five because I do find women attractive. I do. I see some girls and I'm just like, holy, maybe this gay thing wasn't right this whole time. And I like, I'll get in my head and be like, oh, like I could, I could be with a girl. Oh, I can, I can mask for mask. You know, I could, I, <laughs> I just get in my head about it. And then I'm like, no, like at the end of the day, I don't really find women that sexually attractive. Like the idea of full on sex and engaging sexual intercourse with females. It's not for me. I even went as far as to try that, which I've shared with you all before. I had sex with a girl. It's a good friend of mine. And it was a, you know, great time. We were both great and happy and everyone left satisfied. But at the end of the day, I didn't love it. It's not something I'd want to do again. It wasn't something I'd recommend to my friends. You know what I mean? Like, it just wasn't something that I was thrilled to do. And that's when I realized, like, okay, like, yeah, I can do that, but I don't want to do that. And that's a really big thing when you realize that with sexuality. Like, yeah, my body can physically do it, but did I enjoy that? No, I didn't. I didn't want to do it again. I wasn't thrilled to have, you know, this new world of maybe I am a bisexual person. No, I definitely like men as a male, which makes me gay. But I do find women attractive. And so for me, the five makes sense. And that's where I feel like I fit best. And that's where I identify when I think about this scale. I put myself at a five because I find women gorgeous. Like I'll look at girls and be like, wow, like you're hot. I can appreciate your beauty. Like you look really good. Like I'm like, like potentially aroused by the thought. Like it's, it sounds fun, but when it comes down to it, I don't love it. Like I definitely, definitely love intercourse with men. So, you know, I'm gay. That's the big shocker here, I know. If you didn't know that, sorry to break it to you in this episode. But I am, I am, I am a gay male. <laughs> but anyways, so going into some other examples, right? I think it's important to, to kind of play with the scale. So if someone is 100% into the opposite sex, so say you're a male and you like females only, that makes you a zero. But say you're a male who has only ever been with females, and you have guys that you get confused with because, well, you can appreciate that they're really, really hot and you're super like into the idea of like, wow, like they're gorgeous. Like I, I look at this man and I think, wow, he's hot and it makes me kind of confused. 
but I don't want to have intercourse with him. Or I have experimented with guys before and I didn't like it in the sense of like, I'm not into like going all the way with men, but like, I, I think guys are hot. Like I might kiss one once in a while. Then that makes sense. You fall into like a one or two area. You're not bisexual. You're not in the middle. You know what I mean? You, you obviously are attracted to females. You know that for sure. And then as this male who sometimes finds other men attractive or kisses other men, does it make you gay? And I know that that's very controversial and people get so confused around. And that's why I love this idea of spectrum theory and why, why Kinsley model just makes so much sense to me. Recently on TikTok, actually, I saw there's this one psychologist, he and I followed each other and something he talks about is the idea that you can participate in homosexual activities and not be homosexual and it goes into this theory and i think that this is what helps explain those moments it's just like me like i was able to have intercourse with a female and i'm not straight and i don't identify as straight i'm never gonna identify as straight and i'm not even bisexual but i did it and i tried it and i still can find females attractive and like i still kiss my girlfriends when we're out drunk or trying to get free drinks you know what i mean like hot girls do hot shit whatever but yeah it's just not for me like it's not something i would ever fully want to do and that's what makes me a five and that example of this straight male who finds other men attractive might kiss other guys once in a while he's not homosexual he's not bisexual he's he's on this kinsley model probably like a one or two he's in that range where it's like okay like i appreciate that beauty i'm into that idea but i just don't want to be with that person and I don't want to have full-on intercourse or whatever it goes into, right? And that's the beautiful thing about a theory like this is it's not something that's set in stone. It's just something that can help you understand yourself and understand the world. And I think that that's something so important to understand about theories too. Because so many people in our community is like, I don't want to slap labels on it or everyone wants to put me into a box. Like, I'm not here to tell you you have to fit into a box, but like the scale does help because it's however you perceive it. Like the what I think as a five or a two is not what you might list as a five or two or what, you know, the Kinsley scale even lists as a five or two. Like on their scale, actually, a two is predominantly heterosexual, but more than incidentally homosexual. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they have these really like scientific phrases or like a five is predominantly homosexual, only incidentally heterosexual, which is like me, like I am homosexual, but I have definitely engaged in heterosexual activities before and I would still kiss girls or whatever, but I'm not, you know, trying to go all the way. I'm not really into that whole idea. Um, maybe in some like freaky freak world, like where it was like a threesome or something, like I wouldn't mind a female being part of that. I just wouldn't be as engaged with that member. You know what I mean? Like if that's all making sense, I just, I just need you all to understand like this is what's beautiful about a scale. It's everyone's interpretation. So what you identify as on this scale is up to you, the way that you interpret what a four or a three or a seven, which a seven doesn't exist, but whatever you identify as the number, it's, it's going to be different for everyone. This is just a loose way to help us understand our world. And I think it's a really great tool. So I think where it gets fun too is when you talk about the three to four range, that's that middle ground. So as the scale puts it, a three would be equally homosexual and heterosexual so like a bisexual person the four is leaning more towards homosexual and the two is leaning more towards heterosexual right this is an important area to look at because a lot of people who fall into like pansexual demisexual um all of the different ones where you're into just about anyone you fall in this range 
But I think what makes the scale helpful is when you think about it even more so in a sense of like, oh, like I'm a bisexual person, but I do tend to fall more towards the homosexual side of it. So like there's a lot of people who are like, I'm 75, 25. Either way you go, heterosexual, homosexual, the scale helps make sense of that. Like the scale does equate to like, this is why I identify in this way. And you're still a bisexual person and that's great. No one's telling you to change that label. It just helps you make sense on why you might be bisexual, but still lean towards one way. And I think that's what's so beautiful about this tool is it like, it really just makes things make sense. You know, like I just realizing stuff. I think one of the Kardashians said that, right? We're just a year of realizing things. We're just realizing stuff. Everyone around me realizing everything, you know, but yeah, the skill does really help you realize it. So I definitely recommend utilizing it. And I think that it's a really awesome tool and our community doesn't talk about it enough. So here I am on the podcast talking about it. So you better talk about it with your friends. But what's really cool about the scale too, moving into some more of the um, community is that we are starting to see professionals utilizing this scale to help make sense of gender identity as well. So as the gender constructs are being broken down, we're not doing male, female anymore. And we're, we're figuring out like gender and all this good stuff. The spectrum really helps as well make sense of this. And so this theory being used for gender was something I learned at Kent State University. I was really close with the LGBTQ Center's director at the time, and him and I were talking about the scale. He's the one who introduced me to it. And when we were talking about all that, he was talking how gender identities are falling into the scale system now. And it's a great way to think about even gender as we are moving into this new world where gender identities are becoming more talked about and we're seeing the pronouns being utilized. And, you know, we have he, him, his, she, her, hers, they, them, theirs, and even like the Z's and X's, if that's what you prefer to use too. And so it's really a helpful tool again. So it'd be the same idea. You have a zero to six scale. The three is the middle. You have the X, which would be someone who maybe doesn't identify with it, or we might not even need the X and gender. I don't know. I'm totally off script right now. Just talking about this idea of using it with gender because it's not like an official thing, but it's something that I think our, our community could utilize. So totally opinion-based. Maybe we don't need the X. Maybe we do. But anyways, a zero would be, you know, traditional male and a six would be like traditional female. And anywhere in between would be anything else in the three would be someone who's non-binary, meaning that they, they don't conform to either gender. And so I think that the scale really helps make sense out of that too, because it's the same ideas. You have these two very polar ideas, you know, traditional male standards for gender and traditional female standards for gender. And then if you look at the scale, you can fall anywhere in it. And the example with me, like if male is zero, I don't identify as a zero. Sometimes I wear makeups, you know, I, I do use concealer sometimes and I like to wear blush out and I paint my nails once in a while. I also really like enjoy more feminine looking clothing, especially like tops. Like I'll wear crop tops and I, I like following like female fashion trends and floral prints and, and all that good stuff that would be traditionally female when it comes to clothing and gender expression. And even some of my body mannerisms a little more feminine. So like, that's the thing is like, even though I have those feminine qualities and I would say I'm like a one or a two or a 1.5, I still identify as a male. I still use he, him, his pronouns. I have always felt like I'm a cisgendered male, meaning like, you know, I was born male. My sex is identified as male by a doctor and I am looking at my gender as male as well. 
but I do recognize that I have a feminine approach to gender expression. And that's where like a one to two range makes sense to me. And it feels like that feels right. And it's something that I love about using this skill because it helps me interpret my world and it helps me understand my identity and how I exist in our world. And I think that that's what's so cool about this scale. And then the idea of taking it over to gender and utilizing it even there and having this theory by Kinsley to help us guide like through these conversations and helping people understand who we are and how we express ourselves and where we live in this, this wonderful world of identity. I just love it. Alrighty, so let's move on to the next section of the podcast, which is our listener questions. Uh, I love this section because y'all always got some juicy questions. I'm telling you, I read my Instagram DMs and I'm like, oh, y'all need some help. Mm, y'all living spicy out there. Y'all need a little bit of guidance. So if you're not familiar, I didn't mention it last podcast, but I'm going to bring it up this time again. I pull these questions either from my TikTok comments or I go to my Instagram and I read the DMs you guys send me because I actually answer DMs. Like if you message me, I will get back to you. Sometimes it takes me a little longer than other weeks, but I do answer all my DMs. I'm really proud of it. And that's where I get these questions from. So if you want to submit a question, go ahead and DM me on Instagram at either Ocody, so O-H-H-K-O-D-Y, which is all of my socials, including my Instagram. Or you can find me at the podcast Instagram, which is at boytalk underscore podcast. Either way, you submit a question. I will see it. I will read it. I will let you know. And then I will put it into the podcast. So go ahead and DM me with all of these questions. And let's get into this week's questions. So the first one, someone really wants to know how to be better at fingering. And I was like, you know what? I have had a bad experience with that with other people. So maybe we do need to spend some more time explaining, giving some details, giving some advice, right? <laughs> so let's get into it. I'm going to do it from the, you know, gay male perspective. So let's start there. And then as far as my females, y'all, I can give a little bit of advice there. I am not an expert in that that range of the vagina. You know what I mean? So if you're a proud owner of one of those, like your little kitty and you, that's great. Um, I will give the advice that I have learned from the girlies and at the end of the day, I'm probably not the best person to ask for, for that, but for the perspective of being a bottom, oh, I got you. I got you. So <laughs> tips for fingering, right? First off, please someone lick or spit on your fingers. Do not just go in there dry. It is so unsettling when someone tries to like start that process and didn't lube up or like spit on their fingers or whatever and you can make that moment so hot like it it is such a missed opportunity right so like if you need to get like you know spit on your fingers how would we do that well first off you could either put it in your own mouth and like do like the whole like suck your own finger and like give it like a lick and next thing you know your finger has enough saliva and you can do what you need to do or Something even hotter is you can put it in the person's mouth that you're about to finger, right? It sounds so, like, non-sexual, but I promise you it is such a sexual experience. And it's going to elevate that moment. And it's going to take you to a whole nother planet. Highly recommend the whole sucking on the finger thing. Super hot. Like, one of my favorite moments ever was this guy and I were, you know, doing stuff. And he did the whole, like, he put his, like middle finger and his pointer finger into my mouth and like literally told me to like get it like you know wet 
because he was about to use them. And I remember just being like, I need to have your children immediately. Like, I am so overwhelmed right now with excitement. Like, Lord, have mercy on my soul. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the first thing. Don't don't go in dry with the fingers, y'all. Please don't. And then the next thing is re-listen to my podcast where we talked about the G spot and the P spot. So that is the Rail Me episode with Kenneth, which I love Ken and hopefully we'll be seeing him very soon when I get back to the city. But yeah, um, there is a beautiful spot inside of someone who identify as a male, as a prostate, and it's called the P spot, as I like to refer to it. And you can feel it. It's about four inches in. And so when you insert your finger, it kind of has like a walnut texture. So if you don't know what a walnut feels like, you could always go to the grocery store and just, you know make your way over to the nut section (laughs) and touch a walnut but that's the best way i can describe the texture but there's definitely a clear skin texture difference in there that's the p spot it's a little solider and if you rub that that's what causes like the orgasm from you know anal and that's why people do anal and that's why people like they try to get to the prostate as you know males so that's what you want to try to rub. So when you're in there, you want to you want to try to be hitting that with your fingers. Um, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, like the itching motion, like if you're going to itch like your 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 stomach or something or your arm and like your fingers are kind of like turning into little hooks. You want to do that motion onto there and that's what's going to make it enjoyable. And then also it depends on your partner, of course, but something that I love is like the forcefulness of like the arm. Like it's just hot to see someone like being a little more aggressive to me in that sense of like, I like seeing like the motion, but yeah, those are my tips for fingering, um, for, you know, males and gays and anyone who is a proud odor of a prostate, that's how you would satisfy them. If you are a proud odor of a vagina or a kitty or you have, you know, a G-spot, it's a little different but kind of similar too, which is what I think is so crazy about it. So there's a couple things that you'd want to finger. That'd be, you know, the clit, the clitoris. Um, and you just want to rub that. You don't want to, like, finger that. That's aggressive. Um, as far as I understand, you don't, that doesn't feel good. You don't do that. So don't, don't, you know, be poking at that. But you want to rub that. You know what I mean? Like, you want to give it a little rub. You want to give that a little, you know, a little something, something. But let's talk about the G spot. Because that's very similar to the P spot in the sense of it's about two inches inside of, you know, the vagina and the kitty. And you go up there and you want to rub it. Same thing. It has a textural difference. You can tell the difference. You can feel the difference. And you would want to focus on rubbing that because that's what stimulates. That's what causes the orgasm. That's what makes someone finish who is a proud odor of a P or G spot is by rubbing those spots. So you'd want to make sure you're hitting that with your fingers. Alrighty, so we are done with that discussion and we're going to move into the next question. And for time's sake, it's going to be the last question this week. Someone wants to know tips on distance relationships. This is such a hard question because everyone is so different, right? What works for one couple when it comes to relationship distance is not going to work for the next. The needs of one couple vary so different than others. So I'm just going to give you all some general advice about distance. I'm going to give you guys some general tips that might help. And at the end of the day, you got to play it out and you got to figure out what works for you. First thing I want to say about distance relationship is this. If it's meant to be, it will be. And I know that's so cheesy and cliche, but it is the truth. Like, 
if you really want something to work, it's going to work out. So, like, if both parties really want something to work, like, if both are committed to that relationship working, you both are going to figure it out because that's what people do who want to be with each other, right? So that's the first thing is you both actually have to want it to work <laughs> because if y'all both don't want it 100%, it's going to show it's not going to last. And that's just the truth. And I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but it is, it is just the truth. It will not work because distance is not easy. So if you both are on the same page, you both want it to work, you should be great. But if only one of you wants it or one wants it more, it will fall apart. So tips on how to be successful in a long distance relationship. First thing is having clear expectations of communication, right? So being honest about how often you need to talk to be comfortable. So maybe it's we FaceTime once a week, but we text every day and you send me snaps throughout the day. And that makes me feel appreciated enough and I'm good with that amount of communication. Or maybe it's we talk every night before bed for five minutes. Sometimes we FaceTime for an hour. We do, you know, game nights or we do, you know, hour like, you know, We'll get on and do like a wine night over Zoom or something, and that's enough. Everyone's going to be a little different. Some people will be like, oh, yeah, I'm fine with just texting my partner, and like we call like once a week, and that works for us, and that's great. Um, for others, they might need like a we talk every day. We text every day. You send me snaps every day. Like I want to see what's going on all the time. You want to see what's going on all the time, and that's great for you too. So finding that balance but having that clear communication of what is expected as far as that. And then just continuing that clear communication. So that goes into tip number two. Tip number two is just communicating with one another. So when things change, when things aren't going well, if you can't keep up with that promise of the amount of communication that you plan to have, go ahead and just have that quick like, hey, just so you know, I'm not going to be able to FaceTime this week or hey, I'm going to be really busy today. I probably won't be able to snap you. I'm not going to get a text in today. I'm super sorry. Or, hey, I'm exhausted. I'm about to actually go to bed early. I don't think I'm going to be able to call you. Or can we move the call up to an earlier time, etc. Just being very transparent about what's going on, why things aren't working the way it is so that no one is confused or feeling hurt or blindsided or all of that stuff. So it's really important to have that clear communication. Next is going to be having a well-established trust with one another. Being away from each other is hard, and from experience of that, like, having distance, even short-term distance, like, if you do not trust that partner, or they do not trust you, it is going to crumble. Like, it is going to 100% fall apart around you, and it just, you gotta trust them, and they gotta trust you, and if you both don't trust each other, it's just a recipe for a disaster. It's gonna turn into finger-pointing games, and someone's gonna get salty and hurt, and it's just gonna fall apart, right? So having clear trust with one another is super important. And then finally, I think something that helps as well is having just like your clear communication plan, a plan of how long we will go without seeing each other. And that can be harder if you're younger. So like if you're like a younger person who maybe started dating someone online or through the interweb and all that good stuff because we all know that's happening you know i had you know internet boyfriends back in the day too you don't really get to decide if you're gonna see that person or when you see that person and all that stuff and so that's really really hard but say you're an adult who's like maybe you're in college and you both go to the same school but during the summers you both go home and that's distance from each other like super distance sometimes some people go to a college in one state in the united states but they live on the opposite side of the country during the rest of the like months or not in school. That can be hard. But what's great about that is that you are old enough and normally you have enough financial freedom, like if you're working a job or whatever, that you can plan trips with each other. So if you can plan trips, do that. A great example is like, you know, 
I have friends who live in New York City who are dating people who don't live in New York City because they met before the one moved to the city. And how they make it work is they just plan trips every one to two months. And they know, like, I'm going to see my partner in a month. So it's just a couple weeks. And it's something to always look forward to. So if you have that ability, if you are an adult with their own financial ability to travel and do those things, and you and your partner can make traveling work on a regular basis, setting up that travel time to know when you're going to see each other, I think is so helpful for keeping you guys connected. Because there's always something to look forward to. And you know it's not going to be that long until that next time. So I hope that helps with distance relationships. It is a tricky, tricky thing, and it's not a one-size-fits-all. So you got to figure it out. You got to talk about it. You got to see how it's going to work, and you got to make it right. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, it was meant to be that way too, you know? And that's always the hard part about relationships, and even I struggle with that. It's like when it doesn't work, it's not because of anything per se you did. It's more so like it just wasn't meant to work. So best of luck. Alrighty, it is that time again where I'm going to have to shamelessly ask you guys to please like the episode if you haven't yet. Please download it. Please leave a five-star review. Like, please, please, please. That's what really helps the podcast grow. We're in the top 1.5, like I said earlier. And, like, I don't make money off of this, but you guys are the best. You support me. You are helping this grow. You're helping get the podcast out there. And I am just so happy. So please, 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 if you can, make sure it's downloaded, liked, shared, followed, all of those good things. All right, y'all. So, like I said, I am back. I am not going to ghost you all. I love you all so much. I hope that you learned something new. I hope that the Kinsley model is going to save your life as much as it saved mine. I hope that you use it for yourself, for your friends. You share it with people. I hope to hear from you all on Instagram about OnlyFans, about the podcast, recording it potentially, putting on YouTube. I hope that you all have a wonderful week. I hope that you all are enjoying the summer weather that's coming wherever you are. If you're in the United States and if you're somewhere else where it's technically winter have fun with that i'm so sorry it's cold we just got out of it i'm enjoying the sunshine in ohio and new york city and i love you all please stay safe please stay smart do what you need to do be a bad bitch enjoy your hot girl summers and i will see y'all next week